As I mentioned earlier, we are continuing. We've been doing the precepts over this last month. And today I'm going to move into our talk about the fourth precept, which I think for me has been incredibly impactful in my life. And um, the fourth precept is to refrain from false and harmful speech. And when I say speech, I, it's, it's not just speaking. I think it's false and harmful communication. It's important to broaden that uh, how we how we talk about this precept to uh, include all forms of communication with others it's it's so important and just to just to um, briefly give a, a a quick overview of the precepts for those of you who haven't been here the precepts are the um, the Buddhist prescription for ethical behavior and they allow us to live in harmony uh, with others with others in the world. And it's a way of being in the world that I heard Ruth King say, it makes us, it makes it safe for others to be around us. It's really an important uh, way of being. And there are five precepts for uh, the lay community. Monastics have many, 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 many more hundreds of precepts. But for the lay community, pretty much these five, at least in, in this tradition, in the Theravadan tradition, and <clears throat> not taking a life, uh, not stealing or taking what's not offered, um, being wise with our sexuality, being uh, wise in our speech, and uh, being wise in what we ingest so that it doesn't lead to heedlessness or mindlessness. And um, as I said today, I'm going to be talking about uh, the fourth precept. And I, I found a sutta that talks about the different precepts, but it's in in general. It, it another reason why these are so important. It talks about when we abandon. Well, the precepts are are written kind of in a negative way, in like don't do this, but they're not like commandments in saying thou shalt not do this, and here's a whole list of things you shouldn't do. It's really of a be wise in your speech. Be don't take what's not offered. So there's a it broadens how we can look at these things. It gives us a bigger lens and allows us to uh, reflect on how we move through the world, how we interact with others in these various categories that are really important. And when we do this, like if we if we don't if we don't lie or if we're wise with our speech, what happens? Um, in doing so, we give freedom from danger, freedom from animosity, freedom from oppression to limitless numbers of beings. And in giving freedom from danger, freedom from animosity, freedom from oppression to limitless numbers of beings, we gain a share in limitless freedom from danger, freedom from animosity, and freedom from oppression. These are the gifts of the precepts, and those, that, those promises apply to all the precepts. And so the Buddha himself said these are incredibly important. So moving into this, this precept uh, specifically, as I said, it's not just about speech, but it's about communication. And a lot of the precepts are covered in the Eightfold Path, in the fourth, uh, excuse me, in the second section, the Sila Ethical Behavior section. And the first three precepts are covered under Wise Action. But the fourth precept, why, uh, refrain from false and harmful speech, has its own factor in the Eightfold Path, wise speech. And Bhikkhu Bodhi, in his book on the Eightfold Path, in talking about this particular piece, wise speech, he said, speech 
It is so important because speech can break lives, create enemies, and start wars. Or it can give wisdom, heal divisions, and create peace. This has always been so, yet in the modern age, the positive and negative potentials of speech have been vastly multiplied by the tremendous increase in the means, speed, and range of communications. And I know you all know that. I mean, just the fact that we're gathered together in a Zoom mosaic rather than being in a room together talking about this is just this incredible advance in how we connect and interact with each other. It's extraordinary. And, um, and well, yeah, I mean, the mind, if you just think about just this last week, with the, the forms of communication, the, the Supreme Court hearings around um, Judge Kachanji Brown-Jackson's you know, confirmation, that, um, and then the, the social media, and then the talking heads on the news, and the, the back and forth, and, the, and then there's all the stuff with the, the, uh, the, the invasion of Ukraine, and the, the messaging from this side and that side, and you know, things are just, the mind just spins. Our heads can just spin with the, the, the communications coming at us, the wise communications, the unwise communications, the harmful communications, the communications that, the speech that is so harmful um, that happens all the time. So it's just, you, I don't have to explain that stuff. Um, integrity is just out the window much of the time because we do have this vast expanse of communication available to us at a split second at any time. Um, so, and, and Gregory Kramer, who wrote another book on the Eightfold Path called, I think it's called The Whole Life Path, he talks about speech being so important because it conditions the mind. It, how we speak um, conditions our mind and it conditions other minds. It, in, what we say impacts others, impacts ourselves and impacts others. That, and the ramifications um, are, are deep and wide. So we have to really be cautious about how we speak. And so what I want to do now is just get into the, 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 the um, particulars about um, speech. And so In refraining from um, harmful or divisive speech, there are, four, there are four pieces. It's false speech, divisive or slanderous, harsh, and um, idle chatter. I always forget the idle chatter. That's an easy one to do. But, um, so I want to go into each of these. And false speech is obviously telling lies or saying things that aren't true. And in... Um, Talking about this, the Buddha, in talking to his son, said this, this is so incredibly important. And he said, the Buddha said to his son, when one is not ashamed to tell a deliberate lie, there is no evil one would not do. And so the lie is a slippery slope. It's a, if, if we can lie, it's that, what can't we, what won't we stop at? And because it's, it's a twisting of facts, it's a twisting of how we show up in the world, it's a twisting of how we want others to believe. 
Um, and it can be really impactful because if we tell enough lies, we can begin to believe what we're saying. Um, I was, I had a, a, I was meeting with someone a year ago, and I remember we were having a conversation, and um, I had known him for years, but we hadn't seen each other in a bit at that time. And I asked him about a situation, and he was telling me what happened, and. I was sitting there and my whole body, I was, it was, I had this visceral reaction and inside my mind, I was screaming, you are lying. You are lying. But then I thought about, it, I was reflecting on it as I'm listening to him and watching him and I'm thinking, actually, you believe what you're saying. You are totally lost in delusion. Perhaps it started out as a lie or you just set it to make everything, you know, get out of something, whatever, whatever started it. But the repetition has been so constant and ongoing that now you believe that that's what the truth is. And that's what can happen. We tell a lie and then we have to keep track of the lie. And then who did we tell that to? And blah, blah, blah. And I know I, um, I used to lie constantly. It was, um, it was a lot of my conditioning growing up. I felt it was a lot safer to lie than to tell the truth because I was afraid of what the ramifications might be. I might get into trouble, whatever. I, you know, it just happened. And in my adult years, it was t scary for me to tell the truth because was, it was all out of fear. We're driven by so many re emotions and we're reactive. And um, I would just lie and disappear so that I didn't have to face any consequences. Um, but that, that's, you know, and so, uh, and it never ended well. It never ended well. Because there's a, you know, the reason that ethical behavior is so important is because when you sit down on the cushion, if you come to this practice and you have all this crap that you've carried around with you, at some point when the mind quiets, that stuff's going to arise. And so, um, even if we think we got away with something, we're still carrying it around with us and it's, it's impacting us internally. And so, um, we have to, uh, really watch that. And it's not just, um, saying what's not true. We have to really maybe investigate why we're doing it. Like my case, I was about, um, t terror of getting, in trouble or yelled at or hurt or punished or something. I just had no clue how to handle that type of thing. Um, but it's also not, not speaking when it needs to, something needs to be said. So it's like, they call it the sin of omission. Not saying something is also unwise or unskillful speech. It's, um, we have to say what needs to be said, and I'll speak a little bit more about this later, but it's not just lying, but it's um, not actually telling the truth, being quiet and not saying something that has to be said. So um, as in many Buddhist teachings, it's not just don't do this, don't just not, don't just lie, not lie, but also make a commitment to the truth, make a commitment to honesty, Make, make that commitment to um, being clear and being um, moving away from delusion because that's one of the defilements, you know, greed, hatred, um, delusion, ignorance. Make a commitment to uh, being wise and, and um, awake and aware. Excuse me. 
So the next, the next piece that the Buddha talks about is divisive or slanderous speech. And obviously this causes harm. We see it all the time, everywhere in our society, this mudslinging. And it's just like people just talk crap, make up stories. I mean, A, there's lying. B, it's slanderous. And it causes a lot of harm. People get killed because of things other people say. Um, so obviously it's, it, it's horrific. And, and then when it's not even true. Um, and what this does is it really builds up this divisiveness. It builds up this sense of separation, this us and them. We are constantly othering people when we're in this place of divisive or slanderous speech. And again, it's so easy to do um, through social media because we're anonymous, we're hiding behind our keyboards. And it's easy to jump on a bandwagon, especially if we don't disagree with people and we just kind of go along with the flow. We see that around us all the time, everywhere. Um, and at these, these, these um, um, it's talk radio, it's, it's blogs, it's, you know, it's everything, and it, and it stirs up racial hatred and, and all the, the horrific laws we're seeing um, being passed or presented around the country this, the, uh, today in these days, and um, the anti-trans bills and the book bannings and the um, don't say gay and the, the, the rollback of um, voting rights. It's just, it's driven by this divisive, slanderous speech, these things that are not true, these stories that are made up, um, so much harm, so much harm. And so um, what we have to really, again, make a commitment to do is A, that commitment to honesty, but also commitment to speech that promotes friendship and harmony that comes from a mind of metta and compassion, loving kindness and compassion. And again, I'll talk about this more later, but not that we just are um, ignoring the reality of the awful things that are happening in the world, but we don't have to jump on the, the um, screw you bandwagon. We don't have to jump into that, that bandwagon of throwing mud. We can do it in a very different way. There's nonviolent communication. There's um, uh, all kinds of ways to do it. So, but we have to be willing to be committed to it. It's so easy to go down that rabbit hole um, of di this divisive speech. And it kind of moves into the next piece of this, which is um, harsh speech. It's, again, so easy to get into that place of um, anger and, and name-calling. And um, harsh speech is often uttered in anger and in, intentionally to cause pain. Um, it's abusive, it's scolding, it's insults, it's sarcasm, um, you know, and, the, and it's, its root is in aversion. And again, it's also the, the causes division. It causes this sense of separation, of othering, of us and them, which, you know, we are all interconnected, but it cuts, cuts away at that idea and instead builds up this false sense of separation. And um, it's incredibly important to pay attention because, again, it's so easy to go along with the, with the, with the flow. And I know um, for me, sarcasm 
was, um, and I, I'm going to take a step back and say, you know, we don't all participate in this awfulness that's going on. A lot of us have, have stepped back from social media. We really know how to take care of ourselves in that realm. We take a break from the news. We take, we, we learn how to take care of ourselves, but there's other things, this deep conditioning that we have from our families, from our societies growing up, the stuff we hear, we have to learn how to um, recognize our conditioning and recognize the harsh speech when it shows up, even in that narrative in our mind, that talk. I, I, was, I was talking about this um, this week, and somebody said, well, what about the stuff you'd say to yourself? And it's like absolutely self-talk is really, we have to watch out how we speak to ourselves. We don't get to speak to ourselves harshly either. So important. One of my favorite, and I say this all the time, one of my favorite way, uh, names for myself was dumbass. Because I would be so harsh and critical and judge myself in so many different ways. And i call myself by my last name. I knew if I called myself by my last name, I was in trouble. So I'd say, stink, have it, you dumbass. And I just don't do that anymore. I had to have it pointed out. It's not okay. And I'm like, oh. And then my head's going to be like, yeah, but. And it's like, no, it's just not okay. It's not okay. So that practice, I'm, I'm so grateful I don't call myself that anymore. And that judging, that's why it's so important. I always point out for meditation, let go of that judging critical voice. It's unnecessary. It's part of harsh speech. Let it go. Um, and I, was, I, I mentioned sarcasm, which I was very adept at growing up in New York City. It's kind of how we communicate with each other, this sarcastic banter, uh, which is a lot of fun. And I was very good at it and very funny, and very quick, and so for me, it was a way to belong, and then a, a while, many, many years ago, over 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, uh, somebody mentioned not being a wise-ass, talking about themselves, and I was like, oh, you mean there, I should not be a wise-ass, um, and so I started reflecting on that, and recognizing that there sometimes there's situations like in my growing up, it was like the way you communicate, but carrying that out in the world with me as a defense mechanism, it was a wall to defend myself. And I would um, start causing harm or I did cause harm, but I started recognizing it, especially when somebody told me I made them cry. And then I went, oh, if my intention is to not cause harm, then can I, am I willing to let go of this thing that I'm holding so tightly to? This is a practice of renunciation, letting go of those things that cause suffering. My sarcasm caused suffering. Can I let it go? And so I'm willing to let it go because it's, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me belong any more or less that was just an, an idea I had trying to take care of myself but instead it was a, a divisive harsh uh, practice that I had I still fall into it because it's just like deeply deeply part of me but not to any extent that it used to be um, and in, and in this in this aspect you want to um, 
use talk that's soothing to the ear that's not harsh. It doesn't have to be sweetness and light all the time. We can say things that need to be said, but we say them kindly. And then the last, the last part of this um, invitation to not cause harm with our speech is to watch idle chatter. Because idle chatter is a way to just kind of be um, mindless, not heedful in how we talk to each other. It's, um, what do they say? It's, it's pointless talk or speech that lacks purpose. And uh, the monastics, there's a, there's a, um, there's a monastic, there's a, 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 a sutta that talks to the monastics about different kinds of speech that are to be avoided. We're not monastics, we're not contemplative, so we don't have to follow this. But it's interesting what they're invited to not talk about talking about kings, robbers, ministers of states, armies, alarms, and battles, food and drink, no more taking pictures of your lunch and posting it on Instagram, clothing, furniture, garlands, scents, relatives, vehicles, villages, towns, cities, countryside, women and heroes, the gossip of the street and the well, tales of the dead, philosophical discussions of the past and future, the creation of the world, the sea, and talk of thing, whether things exist or not. So basically nothing. No. Um, so what you can talk about is like dharma, um, concentration, discernment, the practice, the way, the path. Talk about those types of things. Obviously, Sitting around and having a conversation with friends is fine, but really watching the the idle chatter, trying to pay attention. And I'm not, you know, and and this I, I get a lot of questions around this. But can I say this? Can I just just be pr present in your conversations? Be present in your conversations as much as you can be, because sometimes we we don't listen. We just talk. And this is an invitation to be present. I think, I think that's a way to frame this. Is idle chatter is just stuff that we're not even aware of. Um, you know, we're bombarded by it all the time. Advertisements coming at us. All these things that's just this idle, idle crap that's just flying at us. Commercials. Things on the sides of buses. Billboards. It's just telling us how to believe, what to believe. And instead, be discerning, be mindful, pay attention. Um, guard the sense doors, which is a lot of, of the fifth precept as well. Um, so those are, those are kind of the four uh, big buckets. But there's also, the Buddha um, has also invited us to uh, think of five things before we speak. And I'm sure you're all familiar with these, but they're really, really, really important. And they can um, avoid a lot of harm. And that is what I'm going to say timely. Is it the right time to say what I'm going to say? Is it true? Is it gentle? How is, am I saying it with it harshly or gently? Is it necessary? And is it kind? What's my intention? The kindness is, is what's the intention because you can say something that's true and timely and saying it in a gentle voice, but um, your intention can be very different from being kind. So uh, 
really, really paying attention to that. Um, the Buddha, again, um, invited his son Rahula to think before he spoke, while he was think speaking, to be mindful, and after paying attention to the ramifications. And a couple of things I want to say about this, is it timely, true, gentle, necessary, and kind, is... Um, this is where sometimes people who um, practice um, Buddhism are conflict avoidant because they think saying things that people don't want to hear is not wise speech. And that's absolutely not true. People have to say the things that must be said. That's the necessary piece of this. If people are causing harm, you have to take, you have to say something about it because this is a, this is a practice of ending harm, ending injustice where we see it. But we don't have to do it with anger or rage or harshly. We can do it wisely. We look at, you know, the nonviolent, um, uh, uh, movements of the of the 20th century with Gandhi and, and Martin Luther King and, and to see the impact they had with these principles as, as a core. Saying what needs to be said, calling out injustice, calling out lies, incredibly necessary. Um, sometimes unwelcome feedback. People don't want to hear that they're not doing things right. People don't want to hear that they're causing harm. People don't want to hear that you're breaking up with them. People don't want to hear these things, but it is necessary at times, but we can do it appropriately with kindness, doing it at the right time. We don't have to do it in front of every, their friends, but, but you know, wisely, gently. And this, is, this was a really hard thing. And, and I mentioned at the outset that this, was a, this precept was an incredibly important one and incredibly transformational in my life because I grew up in a family where it mm, didn't always serve, it didn't always go well if I said things that other people didn't like. So I learned to keep my mouth shut and I learned to appease and I learned to be a people pleaser and I learned how not to tell people the truth if I was afraid they wouldn't like it. And I got to this practice and I think I was like, running into walls again and again because I, I had to say things, but he didn't know how to say them. So I took this precept to heart and I actually worked with people, um, teachers. I have had a couple of teachers have been so helpful who helped me practice saying things that needed to be said that that other person didn't want to hear. But I had to learn to say it because you can't be silent. I had to let go of that lying by omission and just co-signing what people were doing by not saying anything. And these were interpersonal relationships that I'm talking about, which were so scary. But I said, okay, I'm committing to this and I'm willing to do this. And, and this is where the rest of the practice comes in. I would feel this fear arise up and learn how to be with it and do what needed to be done anyway. And do what needed to be done anyway. You know, Sometimes we're so deeply conditioned, but we have to speak the truth anyway. And mindfulness really supports this as we move through this by 
taking it moment by moment, breath by breath. You know, and it allows this practice allows this 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 teaching around wise speech allows for difficult things to be heard. You know, because we learn to listen as well. Um, and it's the and it's kind of the opposite of idle chatter. Because we're what we're doing is is thoughtful. What we're talking about is is um, intentional, is um, caring, is kind. We have this foundation that is built on loving kindness, built on compassion. It's it, it's it's driven by the second factor, the eightfold path, which is wise intention, that we want to let go of what causes harm and suffering. And we want to greet the world with goodwill, friendliness, and, and compassion. And, you know, somebody, I was talking about this um, the other day, and somebody was asking me about intention and impact. And, yeah, we can have good intentions, but we can still in, unintentionally cause harm. And what, ha what happens is we have to take accountability. Because no, we can't, nobody's perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to cause harm. But... This is a practice of accountability and responsibility as well. So we show up and we, we acknowledge when we do cause harm. And we're willing to listen and learn and pay attention. Um, there's a... Um, I was... Um, there was a teacher I used to... Uh, hear him give dharma talks and he would say sometimes um you should count to 10 before you respond to uh or pause um like if somebody else is speaking you should um after they finish speaking kind of pause before you jump in because sometimes they're actually not done they're just pausing and then when they are done, you know, you have this pause before you move into it. And um, I, I said yesterday that I was, and then I heard another, and I suck at, I'm just going to say I suck at this. I'm a jumper inner. I am an absolute jumper inner. I um, kind of finish, finish um, your sentences for you. It's really awful. Um, and I still do it, so I apologize in advance if I do this to you because I'm I'm really bad because I am wanting to jump into the conversation, which is not being um, patient. Uh, it's not listening. It's planning what I want to say. Sometimes I can do it, but sometimes, oftentimes I don't because I'm really excited. And um, I'm sometimes, I'm just three years old and um, I have to, this is something I'm, I'm continually practice working on. And in fact, there was a suggestion I heard once that someone said, um, take a day to pause before speaking. And yesterday I said, I'll do that today, Sunday. And um, I don't, I went for a hike this morning with uh, some people from, uh, Los Angeles area, and I think I was jumping in on things. I think I, I said that yesterday, and I forgot about it. But it's like, you know, I think I have to just continue to recommit to that every day, recommit to that every day, to be wise with my speech. Because um, that can be, and you know, untruthful and harmful speech, it's not being generous to the person I'm with. 
And if, if the commitment for these precepts is to make it safe and pleasant for people to be around us, it encompasses everything. So the beauty of these precepts and the beauty of how they're not, this is the rule and this is the rule, it's like, how am I impacting others with how I show up with this, with my speech, you know, with all these different things. And um, so recognizing how our lives are... Um, how we bring this practice to our own lives in our own situation. And then finally, I want to end with um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who kind of reframed these precepts into his five mindfulness trainings, which are really big and have a lot, and there's a lot of commitments in there. And somebody was saying they sound like you have to do these things, but I think they're... If, as I read this um, mindfulness training from Thich Nhat Hanh around speech, just let it, let it just um, soak in, not as I have to do these things, but some of these things might resonate, some may not. But I think it's helpful to broaden our perspective of how we, how we can um, look at this stuff. So for this one, he says, loving speech and deep listening. Aware of the suffering caused by unmindful speech and the inability to listen to others, I am committed to cultivating loving speech and compassionate listening in order to relieve suffering and to promote reconciliation and peace in myself and among other people, ethnic and religious groups and nations. Knowing that words can create happiness or suffering, I am committed to speaking truthfully using words that inspire confidence, joy, and hope. When anger is manifesting in me, I am determined not to speak. I will practice mindful breathing and walking in order to recognize and to look deeply into my anger. I know that the roots of anger can be found in my wrong perceptions and lack of understanding of the suffering in myself and the other person. I will speak and listen in a way that can help myself and the other person to transform suffering and see the way out of difficult situations. I am determined not to spread news that I do not know to be certain and not to utter words that can cause division or discord. I will practice right diligence, which is right effort, to nourish my capacity for understanding, love, joy, and inclusiveness and gradually transform anger, violence, and fear that lie deep in my con consciousness. So that's a broad picture of, of a way to move through the world wisely with wise speech and wise listening. And in the practice of counsel, which is a way to be in, in conversation with, with others, groups of people, they say, Speak from the heart and also listen from the heart. So this is not just a practice of speech, but it's also a practice of listening. And when you um, listen, you're allowing others to speak. So it's an act of generosity as well. And so um, I think that's all I have around this. And so I uh, want to thank you all for your attention.
Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.